Bergman, and you are listening to the Punk Rock Libertarians Podcast, episode 285. I'm here tonight with Jared Schneiderman. Hey, guys. Philip Dassing. What's going on? James Babb. Hello. And special guest, Dr. Joe Jorgensen. Hey. Joe, right. Joe is the uh, presidential nominee of the Libertarian Party, and uh, it, it's, it's been a, a crazy ride. But let's let's talk about your background for a second. You're not you're not exactly new to this game at all. You, you've been a libertarian um, since like 1980, has it? Yeah, 79 was my first meeting. So the first wow. presidential, yeah, the first time I ever voted for president was 1980, and I voted for uh, Ed Clark. Yeah, and then shortly after that, so then when I moved to South Carolina. I organized the Greenville County chair or or the Greenville County. And so I was Greenville County chair. And then later I became a state vice chair. I was also national marketing division or let's see, national marketing, um, some kind of position with national marketing in, uh, in the early nineties. And I ran for us Congress in 92. And then I was the uh, VP nominee for Harry Brown in 96. Yeah, Harry Brown, he's just uh, somebody who uh, most libertarians, uh, actually, I can't think of a libertarian that doesn't have like uh, just great respect for yeah. uh, Harry Brown. Um, he, he was just totally awesome. Well, he and, had he, two things. First of all, he had gravitas. You could see him as president. You know, he, he just, when you met him in person, he just acted very presidential. And secondly, he, he had the message that I like, which is principled and practical. He followed the libertarian platform. He didn't sell out. He didn't sacrifice anything. And yet he presented it in a way that the American people said, well, you know what? That makes sense. It made, yeah, sense, you know. to, it made sense to me around 1996, I think, when I saw him on C-SPAN late at night one night, flipping between the three channels that I had, or four channels, and some guy's running for president, and he was talking about legalizing drugs and ending the foreign interventions. I'm like, wait a minute. A, a, a presidential candidate can agree with me on stuff? I, I, I had no idea. What, libertar- what, what the hell is this? Yeah, yeah you, you probably spilled your bong water. so i think one of the things that that you have in common with uh harry brown i think is is that you were very principled while at the same time very pragmatic and it's like it's just so awesome because like i I can't imagine another candidate unifying the party the way that you have you know because like uh you know you've got like diehard anarchists that are all about you while at the same time you've got like pragmatic people that are all about you and uh i mean that's just really something special i I can't think of another candidate who would have been able to do this yeah and what yeah i'm i'm not much of a facebook person but i saw a facebook exchange in which daryl perry was saying he was supporting me and whoever it was who wrote the facebook post said what you're supporting the pragmatic caucuses person. Well, I'm going to have to look into this person. Um, but really, it makes sense because in order to get freedom, in order to get everything we want on our plank, we have to go out and convince Americans it is in their best interest to vote for us. 
And, you know, I'm, I'm one of these people, I'm here because I just love freedom. I just, I, I don't like the idea of the government just telling everybody what to do. But I really think that most of the people who feel like that are already in the party. So now we have to start to sell it, you know. And like you said, you said that you were up late watching um, CNN and, hey, this guy is talking about something that you agree with. That was my experience when I heard the, um, I, it was Honey Lanham that I heard on a Dallas radio show. And when she was talking, my thought was, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one who thinks like this. This is great. But the rest of the people, if they thought like us, they would be here. So now we have to show them how our way of doing things is what's best for them. And I don't mean sell it like, you know, it slices, it dices, but to really explain how, yes, we do have the best product. Right on. So uh, the primary was like pretty intense. Did, <laughs> like, uh, be honest, like, did you think that you were going to win the entire time or? Well, you mean I the thought... nominating convention, not a primary, <laughs> just to be clear, right? No, I was just talking about the primary in general, like, like, like all, all the debates and stuff. Like January, February, March. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I always thought I had a chance and, I think maybe I came in a little too confident in the beginning. I had somebody say, oh, my gosh, you're great. You don't need to practice. You know, we'll just drop you in and you'll be in first place. And it turns out I was a little rusty and I needed to work a little harder. Uh, it, it was kind of frustrating that in most of the polls, I wasn't coming in in first place. But these polls were also non-libertarians, people not in the party, people who weren't delegates. So we weren't really getting an accurate vote the entire time. So, uh, you know, in, in the back of my mind, I thought, yeah, I think we can, you know, I think we can do this. So what have you been up to since 1996? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, well, Harry Brown's VP. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, I really wanted to run in 2000, but Harry Brown was running again and he was such a great candidate that I was like, no, not going to run. So I did attend that. I, I did attend the 2000 convention and I actually nominated the, uh, VP candidate who won, it was Art Olivier who won the nominee um, position for Harry Brown. And then um, I did mostly background work. Like I said, once you're the VP candidate, there's really not much more that's more, you know, that you've got a spotlight on. So, uh, you know, I attended I attended executive committee meetings. And something that I really haven't talked a lot about is that I actually went back to, in like 2009, I went back to the person who helped me get the VP slot I said, hey, I think I'd like to run for the presidential nomination in 2012. I always wanted to. I just couldn't. Either Harry was running like the first time or I just had too much going on with my career. So I gave him a call and I said, yeah, I'm thinking of running for president. Can you help me out again? And so we had a few meetings. Well, actually more than a few. I mean, I, I actually spent endless hours starting to prepare, reading books, getting my answers together. And then when Gary Johnson, and actually, let me back up. We both agreed at the start that if, Harry, if uh, Gary Johnson joined the race, because there were rumblings, if Gary Johnson joined the race, then I wouldn't, um, and that I would instead uh, support Gary. So when he then said he was going to run, then I just said, okay, well, I'll drop out this time around. Okay. Um, yeah. And then, by the way, I did not, to be honest, I did not go to the 20, 2016 
nominating convention because I was, you know, the old joke about getting more degrees than a thermometer. That's what I have. In fact, usually I don't even list all the degrees I have because it's just like, I don't want to. Um, but I was actually, I actually went back to school and earned another master's degree. And they had, they had summer school. It was a year round program. And you couldn't, miss Saturdays like if you missed like classes in the summer were on Saturday and if you missed two classes you automatically failed the class so I didn't want to use one of my Saturday freebies in the beginning and go to the nominating convention so then I went back again in 2018 and was at that nominating convention cool. yeah. so what are you so what are you doing now like what's your um, what are your next goals uh, as we get closer and closer to November? Well, to spread the word as much as we can. Right now we're revamping the website. Um, they're talking, they're, you know, we're going to put a landing page there so that we have a transition because the website, and, and let me just mention, I've got to give a shout out to uh, Steve Dasbach, my campaign manager, who was the national chair in the 90s when I ran for VP. And um, also Joe Houtman, my campaign chair, and then Stuart Flood, who was everything else <laughs> in the campaign. And we just had such a small campaign team that, uh, you know, we didn't have the big fancy uh, brochures and the big fancy uh, website. We were hoping that my message would be enough to get voters to vote for us. And, you know, the donors, when they mailed in their contributions, they said, well, we want you to spend the money on this or that. Nobody really wanted us to spend money on any kind of uh, web design. Mm -hmm. So the web design got us to the nomination, but it's not ready for prime time. It's not ready right. to go on to the next step. So, and, and we are working with national. I would like to point out one thing that's going to be a lot different about my campaign from the last three campaigns is we are going to be integrated with national headquarters. And we just had like a two hour meeting today when we talked about how we were going to coordinate our schedules and how we're going to um, upgrade my website to where um, it's something that kind of fits in with the motif of the Libertarian Party um, headquarters. Because, and, and, and again, I wanna make it clear, I, I was a Gary Johnson supporter, as I said, I decided not to run because he was, um, but I did have a problem with the re outside Republican consultants who came in and helped this campaign because they basically left with the money and the mailing lists and all that. And we're not wow. going to do that. We are going to share data real time with national and they're going to get those names to the different states and the different down ballot candidates. Right. Um, and, and, and let me point out, and, and I don't think it was Gary Johnson's fault. I think it was the people who were running, you know, the, the behind the scenes people. And they said, sure, we'll give you data. And they ended up giving some of the data like a year later. Well, by then the, the, the election has passed. It doesn't help down ballot candidates to get the names and numbers of people a year later. Right. Maybe that's just a hazard of nominating washed-up Republicans. Do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't use the term "washed up," but what I would say, I, I, what I've referred to them as, kind of like a farm team in reverse. You know how Major League Baseball—you've got the farm teams, and you kind of see who the good players are, and then you put, you, know, you put them up to the uh, Major League Baseball. What we get are the people like they've already been in Major League Baseball. And now they're on the way down. So we're like the farm team on the way down. 
And um, that's pretty yeah. sad, isn't it? I mean, yeah. now let me ask you uh, your opinion. And, and if you're, would you use the word washed up to describe Bob Barr? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I know how to be a Do politician. I? I'm not using the word washed up for anybody. <laughs> Luckily, I'm not a politician. <laughs> not even Trump, not even Biden. <laughs> oh, wow. He's not a has been, he's a never was. <laughs> Yeah, this is really, I, I think Joe Biden is quite interesting, actually. In what way? In As a that, psychologist? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought you meant, actually. <laughs> like about his like pedophilia? Or, or what, what exactly is fascinating to a clinical mind? Okay. Yeah, now you're bringing up all sorts of stuff I didn't know. So there's a law that says that psychologists cannot diagnose, cannot give their professional opinions about uh, celebrities without ever having diagnosed them. But I'd like to point out, I'm not that kind of um, uh, psychologist. I'm not a clinical psychologist. But no, I mean, the fact that Joe Biden in the, let's see, 2012 referred to Obama as a clean, articulate black man. What the hell? Oh. Yeah, I remember oh. that. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I remember that. And, and then he's the VP, and like, what good did he do as VP? Um, and apparently, you know, well, and you know, and and now I realize that this argument is a bit specious, but I would go around pointing out, to, and let me mention real quick the master's degree I got, you know, a few years ago as a master's in social work which is about the most liberal degree there is out there. <laughs> and uh, so it, it was kind of hard going to class every week. But what I pointed out to my fellow friend, my, you know, my fellow classmates who were talking about, oh, Democrats, such peace-loving people, they don't want to go to war. And I was like, oh, yeah? Well, guess what? Bush led us into war against three countries, Obama against seven countries. So there. Um, so Joe Biden actually didn't seem to be as much of a war hawk as Obama did, but he still wasn't able to stop it. You know, he, he, he just didn't have enough say. So yeah. well, what's about, what no. about the kids sniffing? As a psycho, I mean, and I'm not asking you to give Where's a professional diagnosis, but you've seen enough on TV. What's with the kids sniffing? Um. I guess I'll be kind and say maybe it's his generation. Have you seen that meme, by the way, that says Joe for president and it's Obama, it's uh, Biden sniffing somebody, and then it says Joe for president and it shows a picture of me. It's yeah. So you've spent a lot of time in the university system. What is your, what is yeah. your opinion on the university system in, in this country? Well, it would be good if we didn't have the government loans yeah. that are that drove up the prices in fact i had to pay for my own tuition when i went back to school recently i was shocked at how much it had gone up since i was in school in the late 90s i couldn't believe it and of course it happened when the federal government started saying sure loans for everyone and now you know it's like the housing bubble so, and in fact, there have been people who have been calling it an education bubble and maybe it will pop like the housing bubble. So I hope not because that's where my job is, but you know, they pumped it full of dollars. What's well, even worse because you can't discharge those loans. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. And then I think uh, what makes it even worse is how it's uh, that this education bubble is tied to the military industrial complex because they've made education so expensive. Uh, you know, 
graduated high school with no money and they're like, well, shit, I don't have to, I guess I'll join the military for a run to pay for college. You know? That's an excellent point. Excellent point. What would, you, what would you say to people that are, um, have suggested that perhaps student, the, that the bankruptcy laws should be changed to allow people that have too much student debt to declare bankruptcy, just like if they had got too much boat debt or housing debt or, or spend it on cocaine? Uh, what is, what's your position on that? Well, I mean, that, that might be a good first start, but that's not getting to the source of the problem. The source of the problem is we've got to get all of those dollars, um, you know, stop having the federal government throw out all of that money so that the cost of education goes down. The right. problem is the cost of education. You know, back when I went to school the first time, you could work a part-time job or almost a full, you know, not even a full-time job and pay for school on the side. And you just can't do that anymore. That, that's the real tragedy. Um, so, you know, yeah, so I think it's more important to just get the cost back down to where it was in terms of, you know, spending money. And what could a president do along those lines? Well, first of all, get rid of the um, Department of Education. A lot of people don't realize that Yeah, You know, we hear about the Department of Education when it comes to like classrooms. Uh, elementary school, uh, high school, but actually the Department of Education does have something to do with student loans. And I've been saying all along I want to get rid of the Department of Education. Uh, that We've had it for 40 years. Education hasn't gotten better. It's gotten worse. So that's one of the things. But we just got to cut basically across the board. Yeah, and I think one of the things about the Department of Education, you know, you sent you spend like uh, you send a bunch of money to uh, Washington D.C. and then you get back pennies on the dollar. I mean, right. it's who's winning? Nobody. D.C. <laughs> yeah, well, bankers. Yeah, the bankers. <laughs> Them too. No. Yeah, well, like everybody sees their twelve hundred dollars now. Like, oh, isn't this great? <laughs> well, but they don't realize that. For a lot of people, the money came from themselves, and you know it's hard to compete with Santa Claus. And I think one of the one of the worst things that ever happened to this country was when they started having withholding. If people at the end of the year sat there and wrote a big check to the government, then they would know how much they were spending. And now it's pretty. You know, not only is it not painless to send money to the federal government, but you feel like it's Christmas because oh, they're sending me this big check. Isn't the government great? <laughs> Yeah, everyone focuses on uh, the net to bank on their pay stub, not the not the gross. Right. Yeah. So, Joe, uh, what would you say that your like hot hot button issues are personally? Well, personally, it's the healthcare system, and what it. I, I really hate it when there are misconceptions out there, and part of the problem, or part of the reason why healthcare is such a big thing with me is because there's such a misconception that we have a free market system when we don't. And also, now, now here's where I lucked out, which is that the topic that interests me, healthcare, is also the topic that interests voters. So we meshed up on that one. Yeah. Um, bringing the troops home. I, that's in my platform. Uh, it, it's it, yeah. It, it's not you know. Like I said, healthcare is where my heart is at. However, bringing the troops home, we got to get everybody home, and then the environment. Now, I would call myself. I've always called myself a small e environmentalist. I would 
know, I've got my garden, I've got my compost pile and I recycle and all that. Um, but I, you know, I, I didn't say, well, I'm going to give up my car. You know, I've, I've never been like that kind of environmentalist. But that is something that the young people especially are really interested in. So that's why I've added it to my platform. Those are solid issues for sure. Yeah. Well, except, you know, uh, libertarians usually don't touch on the environment. So that's, that's a little different for my campaign. But, you know, we've got AOC and all these other people out there talking about, well, I mean, now everybody's talking about the virus, but before the virus, they were talking about, which one of the things I would like to ask AOC, and, and by the way, let me mention, um, I have not eaten red meat in like 25 years. And we hear about all the cows and the methane gas and people snapping pictures of AOC and her campaign team out there having burgers. So I would like to ask AOC, hey, would you like me to pass a law to keep you from eating beef? Is that what you would like? <laughs> I mean, of course I would never do that. And you know, I voluntarily don't do that. So So when, when, ideas. So when those sorts of people talk about the Green New Deal, how do you sort of rebut that and then provide your own, your own ideas. Oh my gosh. That once again, there it's bureaucrats deciding where the money is spent instead of individuals, because they're talking about, for instance, you know, solar power and sun and uh, wind power. If those were viable, then there would be a company out there, a private company out there just raking in the profits. And if a company can't go out there and rake in the profits, then um, the federal government shouldn't be doing it because it's not a good investment. If you wouldn't spend the money doing it, why should you give your money to the federal government and then have them spend money? Right. I call it the green leap forward. Which, uh, <laughs> yeah. Be, I mean, because you, you look into it and sure. it's more than just like, we're going to use solar panels. It's they're like, and we're going to radically restructure society in our vision. and tear like, down millions of homes, yeah, and, like, you know, and rebuild them. Yeah, like, I've heard this before. Where was that? Mm, how'd that work out? Mm, nah. Exactly. So you would say it's more of a property rights based platform you have with, uh, with the environment? Oh, yeah. You know, you take out a globe, you look at, you know, basically, Mark, where there's big government, where there's freedom, you see that where there's bigger, where there's bigger government, there's always more pollution, where there's freedom, there's always less pollution. And again, especially again, the younger people, um, I love to teach about tragedy of the commons, which I'm sure I didn't talk about that tonight. So let me mention it here. I've mentioned this a few times. But we hear about people over in Africa and you know all the poaching going on and how the elephants people are going after the elephants for the elephant tusks and the tigers and and how we need government to step in but what people don't realize is that they're poaching these animals from either government owned property right. or at least property that's kind of out there in the commons that, that's not owned by anybody and the question i always ask people is when's the last time you heard of a farmer in our country going out back getting out a shotgun and like shooting all the cows in the pasture like wow i had a really great haul today no <laughs> they don't do that because right. they want long-term profits they want they have incentive profits. private property owners have incentive i'm sorry what i say private property owners have incentive to exactly. keep things going exactly so, so uh, 
I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, so, so we need less government owning the elephants and the tigers, not more government. We need people who are going to profit from it. Like uh, Tiger King. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Did uh, you pardon Tiger King? <laughs> Day one. He was removed from the, from the state libertarian party. That's all I have. Uh, no, it, was, it was just a joke. It was just a joke. I know. No, I want to know. <laughs> you want to know what? About would, you, would you pardon the Tiger King? Oh, I don't know enough about it. Um, I, you know what? Usually juries get it right. Usually, not always. So I haven't looked at the case, so I won't make, um, I, I, I won't, yeah, I won't say one way or the other, but. Um, what a, so who would you be pardoning? Let's just say in a, in a oh. weird twist of like uh, some kind of computer error, the libertarian <laughs> candidate wins. And, day uh, one, yeah. And uh, you, okay, it's day one. Okay, it's time to start pardoning. Who's, who's first? Yeah, so the first one, even though, as you might know publicly, I'm a bourbon drinker, some, <laughs> somehow, um, although I'm drinking water right now, but um, somehow I got through high school and college in the 70s, never having tried marijuana. I, I was a goody two-shoes, what can I say? But the very <laughs> first people I would pardon would be the nonviolent drug users, you know? I've been able to drink my bourbon. It's not fair that other people have not had their choice of drug. And by the way, when I teach psychology, I always point out that yes, alcohol is a drug. Just because the government says it's okay doesn't mean it's safe. In fact, I guess you know the old joke that the only way you die from marijuana is if a bale of it falls on your head. I mean, that's pretty much the truth. You can, you know, what, half a million people die a year from alcohol? Nobody dies from marijuana. So, uh, drug offenders, uh, sex workers, anything that's adult consensual. Uh, again, non-violent, and again, non-violent sex work, of course, not, you know, not pimps and people, you know, not, not, not that, but people who engage in it consensually. Um, people who own weapons, who, you know, the, the charge is just that they own a weapon that they weren't supposed to own. Uh, I'm, I, I would repeal all of the gun restriction laws I'm big in the Second Amendment. Uh, I am a gun owner, have been for quite a while, so I would pardon them. Um, who else? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and, and of course the usual, you know, Julian Assange, and Edward Snowden, not you know, all the all the people that we've been hearing, Chelsea Manning in the news. Uh, what about Edward, Edward Snowden? I'm you sorry. You said that. What about uh, Edward Snowden? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you already said. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought she did. Okay. Maybe I just wanted to. Yeah, we got we got too many people sitting in jail, like Ross Ulbrich and and the people you mentioned before. So yeah. that's great to hear. Yeah, Ross Ulbrich yeah. as well. Absolutely. You, you mentioned you're a bourbon drinker. What's your uh, preferred bourbon? Oh, <laughs> I guess you know people have been asking me that, but I never said it because it was before the debates. But I guess now that it's after the debates, <laughs> um, I actually get this bourbon you can only buy in Indiana. It's called Backbone. And it's cask strength, you know, where they have to write in the number. And, yeah. you know, it never occurred to me, I don't know why I didn't think of this before, that when you go to the liquor store and it's like 80 proof, 100 proof, whatever, like how is it exactly that proof? Oh, it's because they add water. It never occurred to me. So this is stuff they don't add water to. So the stuff I mm. usually get is like about 115 proof. Oh, wow. Good nice. Stuff. That's awesome. Good stuff. 
Very cool. So, uh, Joe, what's your take on George Floyd and uh, the goings on in Minneapolis right now? Well, it's, of course, it's tragic. It, 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 it makes me sick just to watch the tape. Um, now, here's the thing. The Minneapolis, or the, yeah, the, 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 the police department immediately fired them, and it looks like they're going to investigate and bring them to trial, which I hope they do. However, I noticed that Trump sent in some people at the federal level. I'm not sure that that's necessary yet because I don't want the federal government involved everywhere because it looks like they were doing everything that they should have been doing at a state and local level. You know, only if they're not getting their job done do I think you need to involve the government. Because have the murderers been arrested? I'm sorry? Have the murderers of George Floyd been arrested? Oh, I haven't kept up with the news today. I've been on, uh, have they not? Well, I'm they, saying no, if, they have not. If, they if, have not the, if the local authorities have done what they're supposed to do, okay. then, the, then, the, then these suspects that are all on scene on video murdering a man should be in custody, right? Yeah, well, my understanding, from what I've seen with uh, police investigations, usually they don't put the murderers in jail right away. Usually they start to build a case because, uh, and again, I'm not a lawyer. But a lot of times when they bring people in early, then they find a way to get out. So what they, you know, what their strategy is, is to build a little bit of a case. So that way, when they get them in, they can keep them in. So um, I would have to look into that some more. Uh, Didn't President Trump in a, in a speech um, not that tweet. long ago, he to with when he had a bunch of police, he was addressing like a police union or something, mm -hmm. and he told them not to worry about hurting suspects okay. during an arrest. Didn't he specifically say uh, that? Well, that was like that was a couple of years ago. He was saying, yeah, that was during his uh, campaign. That was yeah, yeah. If you, if you hit their head on the, he said something like, if you hit their head on the car door, you know, don't worry about it or so, something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, he didn't care. Yeah, that does sound familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, so, you know, maybe there's a culture of this. And, and Minneapolis, uh, remember there was a Twin Cities uh, sh shooting, wild shooting uh, a couple years ago as well. Um, yeah. Wasn't that the place where they where a policeman killed that bride where she called somebody? It's it, If I remember correctly, it was also in that place where she called a suspicious. Yes, person. you're right. Remember that? Yes, yes, that was, that was, I believe that was Minneapolis, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, you got to start wondering if maybe there's a culture going on that is not good. Now, I saw a picture of that murdering cop wearing a hat. Now, it could have been photoshopped, but it said, yeah. make, make America white again, or yeah, no, make, make white great again. It was make that, white that, great yeah. again. Was that photoshopped? That's, yeah, that was fake. That, yeah, that was completely fake. Okay. That was disproven. All right. So, uh, fake news you know. here. And so was his swastika tattoo, and so was <laughs> yeah. the yeah. Iron Eagle. And his <laughs> so, uh, Joe, we actually had a situation uh, in Maryland uh, back in March. Uh, are you familiar with uh, Duncan Lemp? Who was shot dead in his sleep um, in, a, in a SWAT, pre-dawn SWAT no raid in thing? Maryland. Yeah, was that a no-knock one? Yeah, that was a no-knock yeah. one. In fact, I, I got to admit, I was very proud of my answer in the uh, last Kentucky debate when it was just Judge Gray and uh, John Mons and me. And uh, they asked us a question about, a, well, and, and he, what's interesting is the guy who was asking the questions is a candidate 
in Kentucky. And he said he really didn't know how to answer the question that they asked him, what about no-knock raids? And, you know, the other candidates were talking about police training and stuff. And I'm like, nope, it's probably drugs. Legalize the drugs. We're not going to have no-knock raids. I mean, we, just, we shouldn't be having no-knock raids to begin with. But overwhelmingly, most of the no-knock raids are drugs, which shouldn't be illegal. Right. To it's to keep people from flushing a joint down the toilet, right? Exactly. You, you, can't flush a, you can't flush a Glock down on the toilet. So what's the point? Yeah, exactly. Because if it were the 1920s, they'd be having no-knock raids against bourbon. So, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you legalize the substance and you don't have to worry about no-knock raids, because you're right. Why, why else? You know, the drugs would be the only reason to have a no-knock raid, unless you think that the person's going to run out the door, but then you could just like surround the place. So, yeah. Do you think there's a connection in, in between Duncan Lemp and, and the murder of George Floyd? Um, both murdered by police, um, you know, Dunk, uh, George Floyd captured on video and it's gone completely viral. Mm-hmm. There's no video of Duncan Lemp. Well, there is well, video, there is video but, but it hasn't been released. Have not been released. Uh, going but two and a half months. Do you say, do you see these as related at all? Um, what, how, how are you suggesting they're related? Like as a, as a culture of police or as a state of like what's happening with police right now in this country, both seemingly completely unaccountable murders of, of, of people. And, you know, these stories are so frequent that it's, uh, I'm, I'm sure it has you as disgusted as it does us, but I'm just wondering what your perspective is. Oh, of course. And I actually have, if, if I could put on my psychology hat, <laughs> take off my politician hat for a minute, uh, I actually spoke with somebody who had gone to training on um, uh, basically uh, training police, you know, police officers. And uh, she told me that this one psychologist, and she's a psychologist herself, and she said that this guy who was going around training and helping to hire policemen, he said that you basically look for the same traits in a police officer as you do a criminal, but it, it's like somebody with the same tendencies, the same authoritarian tendencies, but they just happen to go on the good path instead of the bad path. And I found that very fascinating. The good path. Yes. <laughs> good. We're, we're good. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me at all. And and that's what's sad because I think there are many fine policemen who 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 do believe to protect and serve. But then they're asked to enforce such, you know, unjust laws. And it's gotta make them jaded to the, you know, to, to to the rest of the community. Uh, when, when they're put in that position, and and we and we should have police officers who are there to protect and serve, to where they're not trying to, you know, not you know, keep keep a mom from having her four year old daughter play with the next door neighbor, and you know, you're just putting them in all these positions where you're just giving them kind of like the power of God, and I think it kind of, um, kind of puts them on that path. Does so, that what's sense? the libertarian solution to police run amok in this country? At a federal level, and, and again, as a president. Well, police are, I'm just saying, yeah. as a general libertarian position, because yeah. police at every level are running amok from, from municipal, county, state, federal. 
Um, yeah, the, yeah, the biggest thing is to get rid of those laws, because if you look at, you know, they're arresting people for drugs, for prostitution, for a lot of consenting acts that they shouldn't be um, arresting people for to begin with. And, and basically, we've got, you know, I, I'd like to go back and quote David Berglund, who was um, one of our, you know, great libertarians who helped with the founding of the party when the party first started. And he said there are basically two ways you can deal with other people. You can deal with each other through coercive means, or you can deal with each other through voluntary means. And basically, we've got a government in which everything is coercion, even something like charity. You know, uh, you know, we want you to help the poor people. We are going to take your money at the point of a gun and give it to people who we think deserve it, not who you think deserve it. And so basically, we've got a culture of coercion and if we had instead a culture of voluntary um, exchange between people then we wouldn't have the culture that we have now and again too many laws if, if you've got so many laws then you're going to have to hire more police to, to enforce the laws that shouldn't even be there to begin with well until the laws are changed how about jury nullification I'm for it. Yep. I'm for it. Amen. Awesome. Yeah. And let me, yeah. And let me mention one other thing. I really, and, and I'm running on the Libertarian Party platform that the Libertarian Party, we would, we would like police courts and military. And I don't want to get into who owns the roads, you know, because then the average voters eyes, you know, they kind of go, yeah, whatever. <laughs> this isn't some philosophy club. I just want to know who to vote for. Okay. So I don't want to get into philosophy, but I would like to point out that you look at all of the, you know, if you look at neighborhoods, um, there's no reason why neighborhoods can't be having their own security people as opposed to, having a one-size-fits-all government if all you're worrying about are real crimes. And then you're in control of the police, not the government. But again, I'm, I, I'm saying that to you because this is a libertarian podcast. Um, I would not be saying that on CNN. I would be sticking <laughs> to, of course, um, my platform. But since you're asking me a general libertarian question. Sure. Yeah, it's a great answer. So tell us a little bit about your campaign. I mean, how do you plan on kind of invigorating the grassroots of the party into, because I know uh, here in Maryland, uh, a few of the people in our Mises caucus were trying to do a sign waving event for you soon in the future. Like, how do you plan on reaching out to like people like us, you know, in the grassroots element of the party? The Mises caucus was doing a what? Uh, it's like a sign waving. Uh, we're probably going to get together and just go alongside a road and just hold up some Jorgensen 2020 oh, awesome. signs and... I hadn't heard so of like that. How, yeah. yeah. Well, the first thing we're doing, when our campaign actually had a two-hour uh, meeting today with the people at the LNC. And again, I already mentioned this, but let me just emphasize that we are going to work in conjunction with the National Party so that the party benefits from the names um, and donations we get. Not, we're not going to just, you know, walk out the door with all the names. So we had a two-hour meeting with National Today to start, you know, kind of joining together. And uh, one thing we're going to do is we have to upgrade our website. And I know I got some flack for that. That We were just hoping that could get us to the nomination. But, you know, once... I'm the actual nominee. Now we can go forward with a more professional website. Obviously, a lot of this has to be done online because of the virus. Uh, 
I'm, I'm going to wait and see if I can get out there. I can tell you I am going to New Hampshire next week to file for the presidency. And what they're going to try to do is to get me there before either Biden or Trump and maybe make, you know, get some media out there. Um, our strategy has always been if, right. if I go, yeah, uh, the strategy has always been that if I do go someplace, um, that it's going to be instead of like Chicago or Houston, it's going to be more of a mid-sized city where I would be making news rather than a large city who wouldn't even cover me because so much is going on anyway. So try to go to the mid-sized cities where we can get some attention. And of course, social media presence and just trying to get the word out there. Have you been invited to Porkfest? I have not even heard of Porkfest. Where is that? Well, you have you heard of the Free State Project? Oh, yes, yes, of course. Okay, well, the Pork Fest is the Porcupine Freedom Festival is the annual summer gathering of the Free oh. State Project that's gone on. This is the 17th year. Oh, gosh. Okay, now I'm embarrassed. I didn't know that. Well, no, that's okay. Sorry. But um, let me just, um, I, I'm just going to take it upon myself to invite you. It's, uh, it's at the end of June, okay. and they, the folks there would love to see you. And, um, you know, since you're, you're going to New Hampshire um, next week, maybe just hang out. I will. I wrote it down. I made a note. I'll pass it along to the campaign team. Yeah, when you said pork, at first I thought like the pig pork. <laughs> yeah. Understandable. Yeah. Understandable. Common misconception. Well, maybe, it's, maybe it's like kind of a Republican sense, like waste and pork. You know, we're going to get pork, cut the pork out of the Oh, that would be so boring. God, that'd be terrible. <laughs> oh, that'd be awful. <laughs> We've got to come here. We're going to all get together and talk about a 3% reduction in uh, blank. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> It actually stands for the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Right. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So I will pass that along. I do know that after the convention, I'm going to Freedom Fest in Nevada. I believe it's in Nevada. I think it's in Las Vegas. That's a lot more mainstream and, and important, probably. But uh, <laughs> we have more fun over at Pork Fest. So. Yeah. They're, they're sending me there. They've got a table. So. Um, cool. But, but yeah. no, it's good exposure over there. That's great. Yeah. But porcupines, that kind of sounds like fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so what else you guys got going on? Well, we want to hear what, uh, what is like, since you got the nomination. Okay. Like, first of all, you, were you surprised you got the nomination? I mean, are you, you, you kind of had an inkling you thought you might get it or you thought you were going to get it or. Well, I thought I was going to get, I mean, I thought there was at least a chance the entire time. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I, even if I didn't think I was going to get it, maybe I, you know, I, I don't think I would have dropped out. That's not my nature. I've never been a quitter. You know, even if I'm the last one running a race, I'll finish the race. Um, but no, I, I got to admit, when Justin Amash entered the race, uh, we got a bit nervous. But then again, when we had our first debate and he beat me only 55-45, we thought, okay, this is a good sign <laughs> that, you know, because keep in mind, even though he just entered the race, he hasn't done anything to screw it up yet. Because the more you talk, the more you screw things up. Like, right, ask Judge Gray about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, Judge Gray was so great to me at, at, at you know, the evening of the nomination. I, I, I got to admit, well, in fact, I think I said this on camera, didn't I, when he said, um, you know, if I didn't say it on camera, then I said it to him personally. When he uh, endorsed me, 
I said, I'm kind of surprised after I gave you such a hard time. I mean, every debate, I was just hammering him about that UBI. I, mm. I, I, oh, good. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know if you saw. I mean, and, and finally, you know, the last time I, I asked him about it, I said, okay, so to continue from the debate last night, you know, somebody's <laughs> making no money and they get $15,000. And in fact, the complaints I got, they said, well, you didn't really set it up. And I said, yeah, I know, because it was a continuing debate from the night before. But yeah, I should have set it up more so that people who didn't watch it the night before knew what I was talking about. So I didn't think about that. But I was like, you know, and another, you know, and here's another thing. This was his whole concept of a negative income tax. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, and I'm sorry. Yeah, I called it a UPI. It's, it's, well, it's the same. It's the same. I heard there's a big difference. Same thing. I heard there's some difference. I don't yeah, know. A, you know. I mean, it's just a, a, a graduated UBI, right. essentially. Yeah, there there is a difference, but they're both, it's, it's you're putting reward in the wrong place. But I got to say, Judge Gray was so gracious. He did not have to endorse me. He could have just said, you know what? Choose who you want. And the fact that I hammered him so hard the last three weeks and he still, and, and also at the, at the closing of every debate, I started saying, hey, Jacob's great when it comes to party principle, you know, and Judge Gray is great when he talks about practical stuff. If you want both, I'm your only candidate. But so, what about novelty headwear? I mean, you're really sort of the kind of like a, a dark horse in that area, and I'm oh, yeah, I'm kind yeah. of surprised you got this far without some kind of hat. Yeah, hat, hat or boot. Yeah, no novelty headwear and novelty footwear worn as headwear. Yes, but anyway, so I'm not going to say anything bad about Judge Gray after he endorsed me when he didn't have to. I I don't know if I could have. Bit of a loser. I, I probably would have been more of a sore loser. I don't know that I could have been that gracious. <laughs> so well, so now after you got the nomination, I'm imagining that like people are hammering you for interviews 24 seven. How is the mainstream media? What are you getting from like from like the big names? Well, so far, um, it's, it's good because we've been doing local media. So for instance, I was on the local NBC station today, um, and they were very nice to me. Uh, and by the way, they were the ones who let me in the debate when I ran for U.S. Congress. Uh, I'm looking at my schedule. I think I'm getting NPR up here soon, I, I believe. So that, that will be interesting. But Matt will attest, I actually contacted him. Well, you, you had messaged me, but I, I didn't even look. I, I, you know, my basket was overflowing with messages. So I actually went there and sorted yours out because I remember I promised you, I said, yours would be one of the first podcasts. So I, I went through all the, the messages to find yours to say, okay, here I am. Thank you so much for That's that, awesome. Joe. Really, yeah. it means a lot. Right. Yeah. I am a libertarian, so if I if I say <laughs> I'm going to do something, I try really hard to do it. So, uh, but I I think I know, oh you know you know where they want to put me on is the View. That's what I heard. Do yeah. it. Oh wow. Yeah, you definitely do, do it. it. Yes. Wow, that'd be awesome. So I've already looked up the. Uh, I haven't watched him yet, but I've looked up the Rand Paul when Rand Paul was on the View. Yeah, you know, to kind of see their little method to see how they try to trip you up. To, yeah. So, um, what, do you, what do you think your prospects are of getting on a debate stage with Biden and uh, Trump? Is that you know, is that even a possibility? Well, you know, there's always the possibility. But here's the yeah. thing: even less than usual, I'm not making predictions because with this virus, who knows? You know. Yeah. 
who knows if we'll even be able to get the signatures needed because we're supposed to stay inside. So mm. it's such a wild card. And then, and I, and I, you know, I'm the eternal optimist. I kept thinking summer will come around and most viruses, you know, heat and humidity aren't good for viruses. And uh, next thing I know, LA is closing up to August. <laughs> like, well, like at least let June or July come around because <laughs> maybe we'll be in a different world, but no. So what are the prospects for, for ballot access considering this? I mean, are, are many of the states going to just kind of waive the ballot? I mean, Pennsylvania has required tens of thousands of signatures in the past. There's just no way to do that. So what, so what does it mean? Yeah, I don't even know, but I do know that uh, we, we think there's a good chance we'll be on the ballot in all 50 states. We're going to have to work. Without petitioning. Oh, well, we'll have to see. I mean, you know, there are people who are who are putting lawsuits forth, but I can say yeah, here in Maryland, we're doing that. Well, we just filed uh, the LP in Maryland just did that. Well, there's no way there's going to be petitioning, right? Uh, yeah, we just filed for the lawsuit. Physical petition, yeah. yeah. Right, right. But some states are opening up, so it just depends. But, you know, that's one of the reasons why we had the nominations done in May as opposed to July, so that we could get a head start on balloting. I'm so, wondering if this could be a windfall for the Libertarian Party to not have to spend million dollars <laughs> plus. Um, maybe they'll have to spend it on lawyers instead and yeah, pay petitioners. So instead of a million dollars on signatures, it's 3 million on the lawyers. But, but, you know. but wouldn't it be cool if everybody was like, okay, we've decided because of coronavirus petitioning is stupid. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> you know, turns out it is stupid. You know, hey, they they let they extended the uh, income tax deadline. So who knows? So Joe, let's talk your VP candidate Spike. Yes. We love we love Spike here, right? Awesome. But uh, like in the past few days, it's he seems to have ruffled a few pragmatic feathers. <laughs> God bless him. <laughs> did I say that out loud? Yes, I did. Like yeah. like, like shirtless. Uh, I mean, does I mean, like what what are your thoughts? Um, well, unfortunately that hurt fundraising. And so, um, because there are a lot of big donors who don't get, who aren't always happy with that. So, uh, such as <laughs> let's name names. Did somebody pull their contribution? Cause he didn't wear a shirt. Let's, let's shame them right now. Yeah. I, I will do that. Right. Cause seriously, if, Oh, he didn't wear a shirt. I'm not going to give my donation. What a weak-ass position that is. Yeah, I mean, if, if liberty isn't important enough for you to look past a bare chest, that, that yeah, that's that's going to stop you. How the hell are you going to? How are you going to compete against the establishment if 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 one guy not wearing a shirt takes you off the sidelines? I mean, off oh, the off the like, front line. Okay. I got to vote for President Pussy Grabber now or the senile rapey dude. Yeah. <laughs> Well, first of all, as a candidate, I'm not about to attack donors, but, you know, there are different philosophies about running for office. And I'm sorry, I never really liked the whole joke idea. I, I, I prefer to take it from a more um, serious angle. So there are people who like the serious angle like I do, and there are other people who like the joke angle. And um, so... I, you know what? I believe in individual freedom. If somebody says, no, we don't want to support a joke candidate, well, that's their, you know, that's their choice. So let me just say that uh, 
Mike told me today, because he drove up to Greenville today, we did a joint um, uh, interview today with the local news. And he said, hey, I just wanted last one hurrah, because my people would have wondered about me going all corporate. So, but now, you know, on board. <laughs> well, so, you know, so basically he put his shirt back on? <laughs> yeah. so, Sorry, you can blame me for reforming him if you want. <laughs> well, Joe, I just, heard, I just heard, I just heard Spike. Spike. <laughs> I just heard Spike speak tonight on LPTV with you, and I gotta say, he's he's so eloquent. He's such a great speaker. I, I think you really lucked out with Spike. Yep. Yeah. Um, sure he, or no. <laughs> so I saw lots of positive comments. So, and I'm just glad. You know, the one advantage of having the ticket that we have is now now keep in mind i did get a rating of a b with the radical caucus and by the way jacob hornberger got a c so i actually beat jacob in the radical caucus how did, how did and what did you get points off for i'm not sure but but arvin voro was the only person getting an a so basically <laughs> if you're not arvin i guess you don't get an a but <laughs> but i just want to make the point that even though according to the radical caucus i did fairly well yes my approach is definitely more pragmatic so we've kind of got the pragmatic people and the um radical people well now we've got one pragmatic person me on the ticket and then another radical person also on the ticket so it's like both sides get somebody but I still are you saying you're out. not a radical well no but see that's what i'm saying that was my disclaimer i got a b from the radical caucus here's the thing Personally, I'm a radical. Um, when, but but I believe in a practical message. I don't your, think your, your methodology is is practical. My exactly. So you think so? You think your campaign will you know bridge those gaps together of the pragmat you know pragmatism and radicalism together? Yeah, I yeah. think so. I think it already has. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I would say that. Yeah, especially because, you know, keep in mind, I'm, I'm not Judge Gray, you know, I am going out there saying, get rid of the income tax the first year. So I still have a strong uh, message. It's a very strong libertarian message, you know, bring home the troops. And by the way, you asked me who I would pardon. I told you the people I would pardon, I would also begin bringing the troops home. I would have a meeting with the Pentagon day one. Okay, you know, let's start, let's start bringing them home. Um, so when you say police courts and military, that's pretty radical to most uh, Americans. But it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. And that's right. what's so frustrating. Because right. what's radical, here's what's radical, is giving half your money to special interests in Washington who spend it for you. That's what's radical. <laughs> Some would say radical libertarianism is pragmatic. Because we're trying yeah. to get to, you know, pragmatism means we're trying to achieve an end. Um, I find a lot of people that call themselves pragmatic are actually just using that as a euphemism for not libertarian stuff. Or moderate. Uh, I think yeah. that's the, they get, they get confused. They'll say pragmatism is moderatism, you know. Right. They, they're thinking like, well, we're like, or watered down, like watered right. down equals pragmatic. Right. Um, where, and I, I think we agree that Harry Brown did not water down but still came across as pragmatic because he's yeah. offering like real world solutions to real world problems with a radical idea. Um, you know, specifically, you know, getting people acquainted with self-ownership and private property and the non-aggression principle. Um, 
these are radical ideas. Uh, so I just get kind of annoyed when I hear about the pragmatic caucus and the radical caucus. Like if you're, if we're, if we're still making these distinctions, I feel like people, some people just aren't really even getting it. Yeah. Well, I would like to point out, I think Jacob would have called Harry Brown watered down because he didn't want to cut everybody off of social security on day one. Um, but see, I don't see any problem with if you've paid into social security for 40, 50 years and you had absolutely no choice, I see nothing wrong with taking what your money was spent for and returning it. I agree. And I think, and maybe refresh my memory, but didn't he even have an idea of like liquidating federal assets to cover those social security payments? So there would be no more taxation yeah. or anything Isn't like that. Isn't that part of the right? argument is that that money doesn't even exist anymore, really? Right. Exactly. exactly. And that's what I'm saying too, which is that there is no lockbox. And so what we need to do is sell, and basically I've, I've got the same list Terry Brown had, which is you know downtown office buildings, water rights, mineral rights, uh, just- and, you The know, West. Un, what? Yeah. The West. On unused military equipment, all sorts of vehicles. I mean, there's- On that topic, we do have a question. Would you sell the, the uh, nuclear arsenal as recreational nukes? <laughs> Not, now we're getting radical. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, you know, uh, somebody helped me with an answer. They said, okay, if CNN or somebody's giving you a really hard time and they ask you, so should we legalize Uzis? And yes. said, your answer should be, well, it depends on how dangerous of a neighborhood you live in. So I guess uh, the answer to that <laughs> would That's be- That's a punt. Uh, <laughs> yes. Guess what kind of, you know, I guess it depends on what kind of, kind of a neighborhood you live in. But I mean, you know, we're, we're less safe now than we would be if we weren't all over the world. So. Yeah. That's no sure. doubt. Man. Well, so it looks like we're about out of time here. Joe, I, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been uh, just so awesome. I, uh, we're all so excited about your ticket. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, well, thank you. Okay. Thanks so much. Um, joj2020.com. Yeah. So uh, this podcast is brought to you in part by Conversations About Freedom Podcast, hosted by Moral Bob. We have t-shirts over at libertariancountry.com. If you type in the code PRL, you'll receive a 10% discount. If you spend $50 or more and you use the code PRL2, you'll receive a 20% discount. Until next time, live free or die. The blood that is shed Drenching the flags on the tax bombs in red Poisoned by a few at the expense of the many Soldiers and cards in the machine You can't justify killing by economic gain For God, country, and democracy You can put freedom and death point in a fine land You support the troops that bring them home I believe the jokes will do the best for you And I believe that we have the power, have the power I hate the state And I know I'm a slave We can make the break Break the power, break the power Society of individuals Nothing more than not interference With natural rights With a virtuous person fully comprehends the non-aggression principle, the violence of the state becomes obsolete!